Welcome. This is Anastasia Uglova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Be sure to log on to our website, www.cato.org, for a full archive of our podcast as well as many other audio offerings. A new policy analysis released by Cato adjunct scholar Marie Griffin, giving kids the chaff, how to find and keep the teachers we need, finds that the best teachers fare worse than their mediocre colleagues due to biases in hiring and compensation practices. The study reveals serious flaws in teacher training, selection, and retention practices of monopolistic state school systems and argues that market-driven personnel policies produce a far superior alternative to the status quo. Marie discusses the problem and the possible solutions in today's podcast. Why do schools struggle to find and retain good teachers? Well, there are at least a couple of different dynamics at work. One, which surprised me a lot in the course of research for this paper, is that school administrators don't always seem to be motivated to hire people that will become the most capable teachers. It seems surprising, but it also seems to be true. There are only a couple of really measurable characteristics that are reliably associated with good teaching. One of them is higher standardized test scores on the part of the teachers themselves, and the other is a math or science major for teachers who will be teaching those subjects. And yet somehow, teachers that have those credentials are not any more likely to be hired, you know, as a result of interviewing for schools than the teachers who don't have those credentials. In fact, remarkably, administrators are somewhat more likely to hire a teacher who has an education degree than a teacher who has a math degree, despite a recognized national shortage of highly skilled math teachers. How are teachers hired and compensated in the current system? Well, right now, burdensome certification requirements limit the applicant pool that's available to start with, and this is a problem in terms of acquiring high-quality teachers. But the problem is worsened by the compensation scheme. Pay in teaching is solely a function of whether or not the teacher holds a master's degree, which bears no relationship to actual performance as far as we can tell, and also to the number of years of teaching experience that that teacher has. This system is even less flexible than the federal general schedule, which determines what federal bureaucrats are paid. So that should give you some sense of just how rigid this compensation schedule is. Now, there are two problems with compensation system like this. The first is that the best teachers tend to leave because they can't be rewarded for their outstanding performance. No matter how well they teach, they will be compensated exactly the same as their mediocre colleagues. The second problem is that the worst teachers tend to stay longer as a result of this system. You see, the system rewards seniority just as seniority. So if you're a teacher for 10, 12, 14 years, you have acquired a number of very generous pay increases over the years just by virtue of seniority without any regard to performance. This means that relatively less capable teachers become overcompensated for their services compared to what they could get in the private sector. And because the pay system actually overcompensates these least capable teachers, they tend to stay forever, certainly years longer than they otherwise would. Do proposals for across-the-board salary increases hold any promise to improve the quality of the teaching profession? I don't think so, and this was another real surprise in the course of my research. A lot of people, and particularly the teachers' unions, tend to say, well, the teacher quality problem is a problem of supply. We're just not attracting enough top-quality people to apply for these jobs, and if we raise salaries across the board, we'll bring in more high-quality applicants, and the average quality of teaching will improve. The problem is that that argument rests on an assumption that we'll actually hire the best-qualified 
people who apply for these teaching jobs. And that's what I found out isn't actually the case because we're not hiring the best now. We're not hiring high-scoring teachers over low-scoring teachers. We're not preferring teachers with math and science backgrounds to teachers without math and science backgrounds. Then enlarging the applicant pool, which is what will happen if you raise salaries, won't necessarily help because higher salaries will attract more weak applicants into teaching as well as more strong applicants. If you were hiring the best, that would allow you to be more picky. But since administrators right now aren't hiring the best, then we'll be paying teachers higher salaries without actually getting top quality. What kind of reform do you propose? Well, I favor school choice reforms. I just don't think that there is a real alternative solution out there to school choice for raising the quality of education. And the quality of teaching is just a part of that. If parents have the ability to take all of the money that's spent on their child's education elsewhere if they're dissatisfied, that will put pressure on school administrators, principals, to actually hire the best, which is not what they're doing right now. If you enjoyed this program, consider subscribing to Cato Audio, a dynamic 60-minute monthly recording that brings you inside the Cato Institute for highlights from exceptional one-of-a-kind lectures and events on key issues of the day presented by nationally known scholars, authors, and political leaders. Cato Audio is available on our website as well as on iTunes and audible.com.